1 Samuel chapter 10. We're going to be reading verses 17 through 22 if you'll find your Bibles. Thank you so much to our praise man leading us in worship. We're glad you have come today. Appreciate you being part of our worship service today. Good to see you members and guests alike. We always have guests. If you're a guest today and you're thinking you're the only one, you're not. We have lots of guests and uh, we know that we have many traveling today, but we're glad that you've come here today. Nobody is here by accident. Everybody's here for a reason, whether you know it or not. The Lord has brought us here so that we might be able to worship together. We might be able to hear. Appreciate the praise bands. They have set the table for us to be able to feast upon his word even today. Well, we are now 1 Samuel uh, chapter 10. We're going to begin reading verse 17. Encourage you to keep your Bibles, your cell phones open, whatever it is. If you keep your cell phones open, try to keep it on the scripture. It's okay as well. 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 17 reads like this. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God, who saves you from all the calamities and your distresses. And you've said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And Samuel brought up all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, they couldn't be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Verse 23 reads, Then they ran, took him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the peoples. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word. Let me ask you to think for just a moment. Do you have a particular worship service maybe that you have come into before that just stands out in your mind? I can remember two or three probably of the top anyway that, uh, that I might remember one of those since we announced Bible school and getting ready for it. It was the Sunday after Bible school. And I remember on that on one particular Sunday after Bible school, we had 15 or 20 kids who came and all gave their heart and life to Jesus. And it was an exciting day, of course. We anticipate and look forward to that. But we spent the rest of the year baptizing those kids. And uh, we pray for a Bible school and pray for certainly the Lord do great things and know that He's going to, as He always does. And we anticipate how the Lord's going to be at work. And then there was a uh, parent-child dedication service on Mother's Day to where we dedicated... 17 babies on that particular day, 34 parents were dedicated on that day. And we have a pretty wide uh, altar here that we have, but we had them spread out the altar. It still was not wide enough. They were kind of semi-circled up, uh, up and down the walls there. But I picked up every single baby and uh, presented them, and we dedicated those uh, to the Lord that day. It was an exciting service. I kind of I kind of thought after the quarantine and the pandemic, we might have another surge of babies. Did I, is it okay if I say that out loud? It's just us today, so it's okay if we're talking. And then there was another service in which um, there was a bird. I'm sure I've told this story because it was uh, so memorable, but there's a bird that got into the service, into the sanctuary that Sunday morning before service, and we could not get the bird out. So we went on as usual. It was a couple of weeks before Christmas, and it was... Uh, the bell choir was playing the bells on that particular Sunday and the bird would come and stay up. But, on this, but as soon as the bell choir, 40 more bells, 20 choir road uh, individuals doing the bell choir, 
And as soon as they began to play, that bird came down and it came at the very back of the sanctuary and it started hopping down the aisle in unison or in beat with every downstroke of every bell until finally it made its way just in time right there at the front and uh, never had the bell choir gotten such applause or such laughter. I guarantee you, everybody that was in that service remembered that bird that came into the service. I guarantee you, none of them remember the sermon that day because they kept watching that bird fly back and forth. Well, I guarantee you that everyone who was in that sacred assembly in 1 Samuel chapter 10 that we just read a moment ago will remember because they inaugurated the first king of Israel. They had wanted a king. Uh, they wanted to be like other nations, so God had allowed them to have a king, and the king was going to be selected among the people, and they were all came to the particular city in order for that inauguration, and as they came on that day, each tribe came before the people, the 12 tribes, and they cast lots, and it was fell to the lot of Benjamin, and be of the tribe of Benjamin. Somebody was going to be king who was there, and then it came, then they brought from that, from those, uh, they brought each, uh, from that tribe, each clan. And then they went from clan to families and family came to the one person and the lot fell to the one who was by the name of Saul, who would be the first king. Now it'd be a day to remember anyway, but in this particular time, surely they remembered it because when they called his name, he was nowhere to be found. They asked the Lord again, Lord, is there somebody else to come? And the Lord answered them, said, Saul is hiding among the baggage. And they went and found Saul and they brought him out. Now, why in the world would he be hiding among the baggage? Maybe it was more like the humility of Moses that when he was called from the burning bush, you might remember he said that the Lord called somebody else to be the deliverer, not me because I don't speak well. So maybe it was humility or maybe it had to do with an inferiority complex, which led to a lack of trust in God and an obsession with self-promotion. You can tell because I wanted to say that particularly, which one I think it is. Probably it was the latter. If you read again in verse 24 that we read just a moment ago, you can almost see or you can imagine young Saul stumbling to get out from among the baggage. Some translations say that uh, it was uh, supplies. The King James Version said it was stuff. Now remember, all the people had traveled for this sacred assembly that was taking place. So there was a lot of luggage that was taking place. And so I don't want you to miss maybe... Even the comic relief that may be taking place here because what has happened, they've called this young man and now they're pulling him out among the luggage and there he stands up taller than anybody else, shoulder above and tall, everybody else. And then here's the prophet Samuel and he says, here's your king. Here's the one you wanted said, there is no one like him. There is no... Now, I... Don't know really if you would consider that necessarily a compliment or the kind of compliment. He probably meant it as, but it sounds more like that compliment that you give to that awkward family member when you say, well, yeah, he's one of a kind. Well, the Israelites are so excited about Saul that they all yell, we've read it a moment ago, long live the king. Now, don't think that God was setting Saul up for a failure because Israel wanted to be like other nations. Saul had, could have been a long-lasting, godly uh, king and had a long lasting godly kingdom. He looked the part. He was physically uh, head and shoulders above the rest. His story begins in chapter 9. We read in chapter 10, but look at 1 Samuel 9. He's the son of Kish from the tribe of Benjamin, a man of wealth, usually meaning land, crops, and animals. But look how Kish's son Saul is described in 1 Samuel chapter 9 
and in verse 2. It says, And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Now remember, this is Saul of the Old Testament, not the Saul that became Paul in the New Testament, though this was probably his namesake. But God was not setting him up for failure. Saul would have several successes, particularly in the beginning of his reign. And in spite of the fact that Israelites' motives for wanting a king was not in line with God's plan, still God wanted the very best for his people. Saul, along with the Israelites, would need to see their need for God and they would need to rely on him. But there were some early warning signs that perhaps showed that Saul was not quite ready to follow all of God's plan, including the fact that just when God and the Samuel prophet and all the people of Israel are looking for the king and ready to inaugurate the new king, where is Saul found? Well, I mean, he's riding the carousel, the airport luggage carousel. He's hiding among the luggage. You remember Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy and his uh, signature line of, you might be a redneck if. Well, we might could say, use that and say that he might not be ready to be king if the, at the inauguration he's found hiding among the luggage. We're going to talk about some hindrances to following God's purpose and God's plan. It was just a week or two ago we talked about how we might be able to discover God's plan. And so today we're going to talk about hindrances to even if we've discovered it, there are still some things that may keep us from following God's plan. And in a few moments we're going to turn that around and we're going to look at some helps for that very thing. In 1 Samuel 9, Kish sends his son Saul and a trusted servant to go and to find some donkeys. Now we're not told how many donkeys there were and I'm sure that probably that meant a loss of income to have donkeys that are lost. And, and it may be that Kish, Saul's father, really thought this was an important task, so he had to send his number one son and his most trusted servant to get back those donkeys. Still, there's something that is maybe a little bit less than royal for the future king of Israel to go out and search for donkeys. But I think here is how you know that this is a true story and that all of God's word is true, because if we were writing the story, we would say something like... Uh, Son, all the cattle have been wrestled, rustled, or they've been stolen, whatever the word is that we use. I need you to go get Tonto, go out and get them, go find them, got to get those cattle back. But it wasn't cattle they were searching for. It wasn't even sheep. Sheep, you know, uh, when we think of David and we think of Jesus as the good shepherd, maybe a little bit more biblical, noble field, but it's donkeys. In the King James Version, they use another name for donkey, which is Probably the real reason that I became a preacher so that I could say some of those words that I was taught not to be able to say when I was a kid coming from a very conservative family of faith. In chapter 9 and verse 4 it says they searched several places and they could not find. But read what Saul says in verse 5. Now these are the very first words that are going to be recorded from the next king of Israel. Verse 5 it says, When they came to the land of Zuth, Saul said to a servant who was with them, who was with him, Come, let us go back, lest my father cease to care about the donkeys and become anxious about us. His first words, let's go back. This is too hard. We couldn't find them. Besides, dad's going to be more worried about me than the donkeys. And he may have been thinking, I'm not getting any bars on my phone. Anybody got any service here? Couldn't let his dad know. Since all nothing's going right, better go back. Contrast that with young David who fought lion and bear time and time again in order to save his daddy's sheep. David, who was willing to fight the giant that dared to ridicule the army of the living God. 
Look forward to talking about David. We're going to be doing that this summer. Hope that you will plan to be a part as often as possible of the services as we continue this series on uh, He's Still King. We need to let Him reign. Now, it may not seem like it, but I'm trying to mask my negativity towards Saul a little bit so that you might be able to make up your own mind, but I'm probably not doing a very good job of it. But as we talk about these hindrances to following uh, and find, following God's will and God's purpose, uh, one of the first hindrances we see is you give up following the Lord when it becomes difficult. It will be a hindrance if you decide, if you can't decide to go ahead and follow regardless. Now, not that it's ever easy, but it's easier to follow God when things are going well. It's easier to follow God's plan, do the right thing when everybody else is doing the right thing. It may be easier to follow God when uh, you're here in church on Sunday than it is the rest of the week. But you and I need to decide that we're going to follow God, whether it's difficult or whether it's easy, whether we're with the crowd, whether we are alone, no matter what. And even when you feel that you've had all that you can handle, you still want to be found following God. It's probably, if it's not the most asked question of me, it is one of the most asked questions that I get as the preacher, as a pastor. Where does it say, preacher, that God's not going to give you more than you can handle? I've got to tell you, I've been through the Bible several times. I've never found the place to where it says God's going to, not going to give us more than we can handle. God gives us more than we can handle all the time, and we're going to need His help. And He often uses those times to remind us that we need to rely upon Him. One of the closest, perhaps, though, is 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, to where it says, No temptation has taken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. But will with the temptation, He will also provide the way of the escape that you may be able to endure it. It's a promise of God. He will provide the way when things get tough. Through His strength, He will allow you and I to be able to remain faithful. It's possible, not on our own, but it is possible to remain faithful regardless of what we go through. It's possible to get through those times when we think we have more than we can handle, but only is it possible because of God. Now, if you think that you're a shrinking violet, you're not going to make it. If you think it's going to be difficult and you've already given up or you think that you might give up, the Lord knows where you are. And the Lord is going to be with you and you need to call upon Him because where He is, where we are weak, He is strong. And even if you think you've got it all, you can handle it on your own, you will, are sadly mistaken and you will find that that is not possible. Saul found that that's not possible as well. In 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 6, I know we read verse 10 earlier, but in first, chapter 9 and verse 6, the servant of Saul has a suggestion about the donkeys, okay? In verse 6 it says, But he said to him, the servant says to Saul, Behold, there is a man of God in this city, and he is a man who has held in honor. All that he says come true, so now let us go there. Perhaps he can tell us the way we should go. Well, now we find the one who would be King Samuel, uh, Saul, who is the son of the wealthy landowner, now he's taking clues from the servant, who actually perhaps seems to be wiser than Saul. Does this description of the man that they're seeking, does it sound familiar in verse 6? Let's go see the man. He has a great reputation. Everything that he says come true. Let's go see him. Well, he's talking about Samuel, this prophet of God. And to ask the prophet of God where the donkeys are located... It's kind of akin to asking God for instructions or directions sometimes. Now, come on. You've asked for more mundane things than they have asked to hear in this passage. You've, Lord, where are my keys? Lord, where's my wallet? 
Where's my passport? Where are my glasses? Where's my credit card? Where's my debit card? Where's my driver's license? Where's my checkbook? Just fill in the blank. Now, I don't think God minds being the lost and found department. At least you have checked in. But all you need to know that He does want so much more. God is at work for Samuel to meet and anoint Saul as king. But how is it that the unnamed servant knew where Samuel the prophet of God was, but Saul does not have a clue? For wherever Samuel is, that's where God is at work. In fact, Samuel, the prophet of God, where his home place was, where he served out of, though he traveled around, it was about five miles from where Saul and his family lived. But Saul was not in tune and was not in touch to where God was at work. But can I tell you that God is at work. He is and can be at work all around you. He is so even now. But if you're not paying attention, you are unaware of the workings and the ways of God. It's one of the hindrances that you're unaware of the ways and the workings of God. Well, how can you be made aware? I'm going to give you three questions to ask, simple questions that you could ask. And those three questions are where, who, and how. We need to ask where. Through prayer, we need to ask God where He is at work. It's a simple thing that we can do. It's not hard. Ask God to show you. God will God, God, where are you? And what are you up to? Do you remember the story of uh, Jesus' three friends in Bethany, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha? In John chapter, I mentioned many times in the Gospels, but in John chapter 11, Lazarus falls sick. The sisters sinned for Jesus. You know the story. You've heard the story. And Jesus is, delays coming. And meanwhile, Lazarus dies. And so he has died it's four days before Jesus gets there. When Jesus gets there, he's just found out that Lazarus has been dead and been in the tomb for those four days. Before Jesus even arrives at Bethany, Martha rushes out to see him, falls at Jesus' feet, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, I know that my brother would not have died. And then when they come into Bethany, Mary, not knowing what Martha, the sister, has already said, but says the same thing, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They, they said what we sometimes feel. Lord, where are you? Lord, why, why haven't you done things differently? Where are you at work? And uh, Now, Martha did ask when she said the question. She did ask. But even now, I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. True faith, ask of Jesus. Where are you in my hour of need? Knowing that He's going to answer. And also, where are you working even today? So you want to ask where. But also, if you want to be aware of God at work, you, you want to ask who. Who are you, God? Show me more of who you are. Every time you come to read the Bible, whether it be in a worship service like this or when you're alone, and it should be something that you want to do on a regular and daily basis so that you may be able to ask God, show me more of you. And so that you might be able to see the attributes and the characteristics of God. It, probably should, it is what we're doing today so that we might be able to see more of His characteristics as the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then you want to lift up those characteristics in, in praise and adoration through song and through prayer. You want to lift up praise. And the more you recognize the characteristics of God, the more God reveals and shows to you, the more you're going to be able to see the workings and the ways of our Lord as well. You will become more aware of God at work. But also ask, how? How can I join you in your work? 
a willingness to be a part of the kingdom work of God will open our eyes to see where God is working and how we are able to join in. Saul, in our story, was unaware of God working through Samuel, but his servant was aware. It seems that all of Israel was aware of Samuel and all the things that he did and everything that he said was true. Everybody in the city knew that Samuel was there. As a matter of fact, as they approached the city where Samuel was going to be and sacrificed on that particular afternoon, uh, they found some young women who were carrying water and they asked of them and inquired of them about where the prophet would be. And they had an extended conversation about all the things that Samuel was doing, where he'd been and where he was going. And kind of an extended conversation took place of those young women. Maybe it was an extended conversation because they had met this tall, handsome stranger. Listen to the conversation that Saul has with his servant once they decide to go see the prophet of God, whom they also call a seer. 1 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to pick up in verse 7. We'll read 7 through 10. It says, Then Saul said to his servant, But if we go, what can we bring the man? For the bread in our sack is gone, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? Servant answered Saul again, Here I have with me a quarter of a shekel of silver, and I will give it to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, Come, let us go to the seer, for today's prophet was formerly called a seer. Verse 10, And Saul said to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. Saul at least realizes that it would be good etiquette, if not politically correct, for them to come and to be able to meet with the prophet of God that they have some sort of gift or some sort of offering. And again, it's this unnamed servant who comes to the rescue and he's got a quarter. Actually, he has a quarter of a shekel of silver, which I looked it up, which is worth today about a quarter. It's almost comical that this wealthy landowner's son borrows a quarter from the servant so he can have an offering and give it at church. I mean, give it to the prophet. And he's almost giddy about it. In verse 10, he says, well said, way to go, let's do this. One of our church girls who is a waitress and sometimes has to work on Sunday, I asked her one day, I said, uh, I said how is it when the church people come in on Sunday? Are they good tippers? She said these eye-opening, almost gut-wrenching words. She said, oh no, Sundays are the worst. The church people have already tipped at church. First of all, don't tip at church. Lord doesn't need our tips, doesn't need our leftovers. When you give, it needs to be of the first fruits. And then also, if you go, if you go out to eat church on Sunday and they know you've come from church, or if you say a blessing, or maybe you ask the waitress if you can pray for her, if you even say, God bless, it's okay to be generous on the Lord's behalf because of that. I wonder if Saul paid that quarter back to his servant. But the hindrance that we find to following God's plan and purpose is that you're more concerned with being politically correct in appearance than pleasing God. Meanwhile, God had forewarned the prophet Samuel about Saul coming to see him, and this is the one that he was to anoint as the one who would be the first king of Israel. Still, we're in chapter 9. Thank you for following along. But pick up at verse 15 as we continue to tell the story. Verse 15 says, Now the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. You shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the land of the Philistines, for I've seen my people because they're 
cry has come to me. Now, Samuel puts out the red carpet. Matter of fact, he uh, meets him at the city gate. And uh, when Samuel and his servant, excuse me, when Saul and his servant come up, if you're confused about Samuel or Saul, just hang in there with me. When, Sam, when Saul comes up and sees Samuel for the first time, he says, I'm here to see the prophet. And he says, well, I am the prophet. And he said, come with me and I'm going to take you and I want you to come with me to the sacrifice that's going to take place. I'm going to feed you later, then I will answer all your questions. And then he says, by the way, those donkeys that you're looking for, of course, he hadn't said anything about donkeys, but the prophet said, those donkeys that you're looking for, they have been found. No need to worry about those donkeys uh, anymore. And then he says these curious words, the words that Saul would not have a clue about, but he said loosely translated, all Israel is in your hands. Saul asked the prophet why he would treat him so kindly and why he would say those words. When they ate, Samuel had Saul, about, there were about 30 guests there when they ate there with, eating with the prophet. Saul had him sit at the head of the table, gave him the choicest meat and the best food. He ate literally like a king, though Saul had no idea why. He slept on the roof at Samuel where Samuel was staying that night, a sign of hospitality. The prophet woke him early the next day and walked him out of the city. Listen to what he said to him. Chapter 9 and verse 27. Last verse in that chapter says, As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to pass on before us. And when he has passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. It is with great expectation that Saul's about to be anointed king. He's going to be told more about God. He's going to understand how God wants him to reign. And he would have a fairly good beginning. And he would have so many of the enemies would be defeated under his rule. But he never allowed God to have complete control over his life or over the kingdom. So here's the greatest hindrance to following God's plan and God's purpose. Even if you know what that is. As Saul did. It is that you know about God, but you do not have His saving grace. You know about God, but you don't have His saving grace. Friends, if you're here today and you know about Jesus, if you know that Jesus died on the cross, you know that He rose again and that He is God's Son. You may even know that you need to come clean with God and you need to be forgiven of sin and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Can you know all of those things and still not be saved? Sure, there have been many people who have been confronted with the truth about Jesus and they have turned from the Lord for one reason or the other. Maybe it's because they had too much hold on this world, material possessions of this world, and they were not willing to let go. Maybe it's because they were more concerned with self-promotion and wanting to keep control of their life and not willing to give that over to Jesus. For others, it may be instead of placing their, place in their faith in Jesus, it may be some who have placed their faith in church attendance or activities or even money that they have given to the church and figure they've earned their way into God's grace. But you might need to place your faith in Jesus alone and give Him total control today. And if you've not already done so, I want to encourage you today to give your heart and life to Jesus. Even through this Old Testament story that always points to Jesus May it be today that if you don't know Christ today, if you don't know that you have a home in heaven in Jesus in your heart, that you'll turn your heart and life over to Him. Now I want to 
switch the flip a little bit or flip the switch, I guess, and we want to talk about instead of hindrances, we want to talk about helps to knowing God and following God's plan and purpose for you. Mostly we're going to learn from Samuel's words to Saul, the prophet's words to the one who would be king. Everybody with me? You're okay so far? Look at the first verse in chapter 10 and verse 1. And it says this, Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head, kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of the surrounding enemies. And this will be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. What happened? What just happened? The prophet secretly anointed Saul king or more appropriately prince of Israel. And maybe the word prince is used here instead of the word proper word for king. Maybe it's just a letting him know or letting others know that still God was the one who is really Israel's only king. But he said to confirm this calling, I'm going to give you three signs to confirm that this is a calling of God that's about to take place. Now I want you to follow along. Don't get lost here. The three signs will correspond with what you have in your notes. They're kind of the three arrows, I guess, that are pointing there. and They'll kind of correspond with that with lessons that Saul needed and lessons that we need today in order that we might be helped to follow God's purpose and God's plan in our life. The first sign is found in chapter 10 and verse 2. It says, when you get closer to home, you're going to run into two men and they're going to tell you all the donkeys are fine and they're home and your dad's worried about you. That's it. That's the first sign that's going to take place. Perhaps it is a lesson for Saul and maybe for us that we need to be faithful in the small and the all. Be faithful in small things and in all things. You remember that the reason that Saul went on this journey with a servant was to go and to look for donkeys. Perhaps the lesson for Saul was if he would be faithful in the smaller assignments, like looking for donkeys, then God would be sure to help to take care of the future assignments, which was to be the king and the ruler over Israel, which was to be faithful in leading armies in battle. He would be, need to be faithful to the task, but he would need to rely on God. So further lesson for us, for you and I, we need to learn that Jesus is the answer. Now whatever the Lord has called us to do, we need to do from the Lord's smallest request to that which requires great faith. And Jesus is the one who helps us to fulfill His commands on our life. He is the answer of how to remain faithful. What does the Lord want you to do? You may know particularly what the Lord wants you to do. You may know specifically most of what we have that the Lord wants us to do, we find in God's Word. We find in the example of Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in us. This Memorial Day, we are grateful and we remember those who gave their lives so that we might be able to have freedoms in this country. We're able to worship today because many because of lives that have been lost so that we might be able to be able to worship and not be able to worship in fear. We're grateful for the service of all who serve and have served in the military. When Jesus gave his life, he gave that which was superior to all sacrifices so that we might be able to have true spiritual freedom. This serves as a great incentive to live for Jesus. But you don't follow Jesus and His commands in order to earn freedom. That's Jesus' gift to you. But you follow Jesus and His commands so that you might enjoy freedom. Can I say it again just to make sure? Because I want you to get this. We want to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. Follow Him. Follow His commands. Not so that we might deserve or not so that we might earn freedom. 
but simply so that we might enjoy freedom because freedom is a gift that has been given to us. The second sign is found in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 10. He said, after you see those two men telling you where the donkeys are, then you're going to see three men and they're going to be going to worship. They'll have with them three goats, three loaves of bread and a jug of wine. They're going to offer you two loaves of bread and you'll accept it. Now, earlier in this chapter, they had ran out of bread. So perhaps Saul needed to learn that God does provide. And as God provided bread, he would also provide in much larger ways as he became king and leader of God's army. I think it's significant also that these three men were going to worship to be able to show Saul and maybe us today that there are genuine worshipers of God. They're still around. And guess what? They were generous. So give God credit in the small and the all. In the small things and in all things. If you've been provided for physically, financially, spiritually, give God credit in all things. All good gifts come from above. If the Lord has walked you through some difficult times, recognize what God hath done and He'll continue to walk with you for Jesus supplies all your needs. Jesus supplies all of our needs. And, and today you can know also that there are genuine followers of the Lord Jesus Christ seeking to follow Him and to be witnesses and examples for Him. And you are not alone. And if you don't know Christ today or you're out of fellowship today, you want to follow the example of those who are genuine worship and Jesus followers. Now, the third sign had to do with a group of prophets playing guitars and drums. Do you believe that? Well, let's work. It's close anyway. Last part of chapter 10, verse 5 said, As soon as you come to the city, you'll meet a group of prophets coming down from the high places with harp, tambourines, flute, and lyre before them prophesying. Well, if that doesn't sound like a traveling praise band, I don't know what does. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 6, and let's read that one. It says, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you. He's talking to Saul. And you, Saul, will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now, if you picture prophesying as these prophets of God singing and preaching, well, you'd be really close to correct. These men were caught up in proclaiming good news about God. But the real sign was that the soon-to-be King Saul would also begin to prophesy along with them. They were not so much predicting the future, but they were proclaiming the good things about God. And I want you to read another verse that goes along with that, and that's verse 9. 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 9. For we turned his back to leave Samuel. God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. All the signs came to pass. The last sign God showed him who he could be. He could be a new person. God gave him a new heart. God did his part. But Saul would still need to choose God and place his trust and faith in him alone. We'll find later that the Spirit of God leaves Saul and he, an evil spirit replaces in Saul's heart. Now that was not God's choice. We read these passages in light of the New Testament, talk about the Spirit of God. We understand it tells us in the New Testament that all those who become part of the family of God, everyone who receives Jesus receives the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus living inside us. And we're, we're, it's repeated several times in the New Testament that that Spirit never leaves us. And it is by His grace that we're able to have the Spirit of God, we're able to know Him. And we understand that 
We're promised many of the time, spirit of Jesus never leaves us. So this is our lesson. Trust Jesus in the small and the all. Trust Jesus in the small and the all. This passage does remind us Jesus transforms hearts and lives. Was Samuel truly transformed or was it just for a short period of time? Even after seeing these three signs, he went home and when asked about what had been going and what he was doing, he told about meeting Samuel the prophet. And he said, Samuel the prophet told me that the donkeys were at home, so I came home. And that's all he said. He didn't say anything about being anointed king of Israel. You'd think that'd be a pretty big deal. He didn't say anything about the three signs that had taken place, how the Lord had turned him maybe for a short time into a new person and given him a new heart. He didn't say anything about those kind of things. Next time we see Saul, where do we see him after the comes home, the donkeys? He's riding the airport carousel. He's hiding among the luggage. His life had not truly been transformed because true transformation is by God's grace, but it requires faith. There's an accepting of God's free gift when we place our trust in Him. And He gives us that free gift of grace and salvation. We accept it by faith, and it is the gift that keeps on giving. One of the verses that I read this week from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 49, verses 15 and 16, last part of 15, verse 16. I'm sure I've read it many times before, but it says this. God said, I'll not forget you. See, I've written your name on the palms of my hands. I'm sure I've read that before, but I didn't remember reading it before. Most of my life, I've written things on the palm of my hand, things that I want to remember, things that I think I'm going to forget. Sometimes even today, it'll be hospital rooms or people that I need to remember or some such. Now... The problem is that I wash my hands and sometimes I'll forget after that. But in fact, one of the translations said, He's engraved your names on the palms, both palms of your hands. And now, in light of the New Testament, we know that these are the pierced hands of Jesus. Now, you and I may never be anointed king of a nation. But even more important is that because of the love of Jesus and because we've accepted this free gift of salvation, our names are written on the palms of His hands and He will never forget us. And He will always remember us. So, the difference between hindrances and helps. The difference between hindrances and helps is allowing Jesus to be Lord of your life. If you don't know Christ today, may Jesus be your Savior. If you know Jesus today, may also be your Lord. And may, us, may we draw close to Him even today. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now asking that you would reign in our hearts and lives. Be King over us. Let us submit ourselves to you. We thank you for everything that Jesus has done. He's gone above and beyond to allow so that we might be able to know Christ, so that we might have a relationship with Him and so that we might be able to have a home in heaven. And now, Father, may we accept the free gift that is given by God's grace so that we might know and understand that Jesus loves us and cares for us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll walk with us. We thank you, Father, that the helps that we have been given so that we might remain faithful, so that we might have trust, so that we might give God credit. We pray that we'll stay away from the hindrances and recognize the obstacles and that we may 
put our trust in you even more fully today. We pray, Father, if there's one that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord today, that today might be the day of salvation. Thank you for your presence in this place. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.